Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The path we followed shortly became something of a formal road, a smooth expanse of dark material, not unlike obsidian. It led us into a place that might have passed for a ruined city, save that it was composed of black pyramidal structures and broken statuary, presumably the same dark material as the road. The structures were scaled to creatures much larger and wider than human beings and the overall asymmetry to what I took for doors and windows spoke to an ungainly, sloping posture. All I could think of were gigantic, stumbling frogs. The statues themselves were only barely representative of living things. One less organic contour, here and there, and I could have taken them for abstract sculptures. Oblivion black towers speared through the slightly lighter sky, And at some point, as we trudged through the gloom, they overlapped above our heads, forming a distant enclosure. The resulting hallway was an endless procession of steepled emptiness, boring straight into the dark. Perhaps strangest of all, the weird star that had moved below the horizon was still visible, beaming through all the layers of darkness between it and ourselves. I couldn't shake the feeling that it was orbiting us, a massive, dark, and burning predator slowly closing a wide circle around its prey. I called it a star because I didn't know what else to call it. As with everything this new dark enveloped, there was a knowing without seeing, an intuitive understanding of the horrors beyond us. The same held true for the strange point of absolute darkness gleaming below us. I knew it as the source of all corruption, or perhaps the summation of all corruption, internal and external. The glass ground we walked across somehow worked in tandem with the strange star, was part of it, allowing, inviting its poisonous effulgence to fall everywhere, into everything. And that was the other problem. Wherever we were, it wasn't a place my power held any real authority. Before we came into the Valley of Shadows, for lack of a better phrase, my power was playing on home turf. Not so much anymore. It was a stranger in a strange land, and a whole hell of a lot weaker for the fact. 
Whatever resistance it put out was faint at best. My field had become more of a thin coating, weakening more than deflecting the psychological effects of the dark. The upshot of the whole thing was that I was ticking like a stopwatch, the urges coming in steady, measured beats. Or at least they would have, had I not tensed my affected muscle groups to hold them at bay. And then there was the guilt. The sins that the darkness pulled to the surface. The filthy things I'd done. Every last one of them burning a hole in my conscience. If anything I've learned is correct, we could very well be in what's called a bolgia. A sub-reality that underlurks the primary physical world. Bolgia? You talking like Dante and the Inferno? The pits of hell? Modern thaumaturgical attitudes concerning hell are pretty varied, but don't generally interpret it as a place of punishment. Bolgias are thought to be massive attractors in concentrations of elemental evils. Pain, darkness, lechery, that sort of thing. My sister was frosty as fresh snow, no longer tripping over delusion. Something about the darkness was holding her together, all while it tore me apart. Granted, the diametrically opposed peaks of our respective abilities should have said it all, but honestly, I would have thought it the other way around. I was the one always looking for a way out of the world. It's rote banality. And here I was, out of the world, and then some. Romy, despite her talent for it, didn't seem too keen on the abstraction her power invited. But in the end, it was just a matter of biology, not our personal philosophies that determined our reaction to the weird darkness. So, even on the other side of the looking glass, where common sense should have been turned on its head, there were rules. As above, so below, I guessed. That's great and all, but if you're right, our plan is shot all to hell. No pun intended. There's likely no gold around here, sitting under a powder keg, waiting to get blasted. Uh, we need a new plan. You still have the dagger, right? Yeah, but I highly doubt Nykrist is going to give us a chance at using it. That, and I'm running out of steam quick. My power's got nowhere to plug in down here. I'm not sure if we're actually in the Bolgia itself or in some aspect of the place. Like the shadow cast by the other approaching reality. So, a shadow of a shadow, huh? The way the day is shaking out, I'd buy that. But does it make a difference? As to our options, I mean. Not likely, but I like to be as certain of my surroundings as I can. Comes from spending too much time inside other people's heads, I guess. Dreams have a nasty habit of shifting right beneath your feet, before your eyes. The more you know about the dream, the quicker you can adapt to it. I'm guessing, uh, given all that dream walking, you don't find this place all that impressive, do you? Well, yes and no. Aesthetically, I've seen far worse, sure. But this place is more than the sum of its visuals. The darkness is somehow the essence of horrible things. The distillate of sins. The elemental nature of a bolgia allows it to seep into you, bind to those parts of yourself that resonate with it. Sinning, in this case. But naturally, the whole distillation of sin begs the question. What determines a sin? Who says what is and isn't bad? 
She was almost talking to herself at this point, thinking out loud. Doesn't uh, collective mechanics suggest that evil is a manifest force created by a consensus as to what constitutes evil? And that the consensus becomes a mechanism through which evil is realized, reinforced, and even made self-aware? Evil per se? Yes, but that's the actuator for evil on our side of the dimensional divide. I'm curious what determines it here. (laughs) And when did you start cribbing from Thomas Urey's The One and the Many? Maybe you've heard, but uh, I don't sleep so well. I've got plenty of time to read. (laughs) Great. Levity in hell. They're going to find us for sure. As quickly as the dark had expanded into a colossal hallway, it shrank back down until we found ourselves navigating an assortment of wide, sloping hills, a gentle breeze playing all around us. I was reminded of the old black and white westerns of yore, specifically how the prairie lands looked at night. Sapped of their color, there was a conflicting sense of wide spaces and intimacy. Miles of windswept earth made to fit upon a small stage for all to see. The ruined city we'd been cruising through had been laid low, too. Now just so much glittering debris upon the ground. Tiny points of sucking darkness that lent our surroundings a touch of cosmic extravagance. Lucky for us... As the glass-like material of the ground yielded to the new course and uneven terrain, we were able to pick up the trail of the convoy of devils that passed by us earlier, a weird mess of alien footprints scratched into the ground. Though once we were just a little further along our route, the caravan's destination was pretty obvious. The tower of solid night we'd sensed right after the serpent line blew its top. Maybe once we're inside that thing, we'll be back on terra firma. Or am I just naively optimistic? If we've learned anything, it's that anything is possible. Okay, sure, but um, I was kind of looking for something a little bit more academic. The tower is the nexus, the point at which the two worlds most strongly intersect. So, yeah, it's possible but it's also very likely to be the strongest concentration of the dark we'll encounter. There's no telling what that means for us, especially with you being pressed right to the limit of your ability. I'll manage. I got no other choice. By the time we stood before the Tower of Pitch, we were surrounded in shadows stirring crowds of lost souls, offering whispered praise to the thing about to ascend a darkness older than the stars. We were visibly indistinct from the clamoring shades, the dark light from the alien star covering us in separating shadow. Though even as I describe the scene, I wonder if I've granted it too much solidity, too much gravity. The moment played out like a dream to me, a lilting vision laid gently across a sleeping mind. Its lack of heft made me question its reality, perhaps even emboldened me for the trials ahead. 
But that was the temptation of both shadows and dreams, to not be taken seriously enough. I was too seasoned a dreamer to not realize the mistake in underestimating such things. More than likely, the ephemeral quality to the unfolding events spoke to my earlier theory. That we'd entered a sort of shadow realm, a place cast into quasi-existence by the proximity of two realities. No doubt, the closer Nykrist came to crossing over into our world, the weightier the alien shadows would become. Or perhaps it might be the opposite. Our world would be alleviated by the spectral drift of the invading Bolgia. Either way, this wasn't the time to get cocky. While we skulked towards the tower, moving carefully through the hissing throngs of damned souls, I began to question my previous assumption that the darkness would be strongest in the tower. I could finally feel a layer of dreams, earthly dreams, move into range of my power. This was likely due to the Bolgia's increasing proximity to traditional reality. When the Serpent Line erupted, it seemed like most of Marrow's had shifted into the Shadow Realm, explaining why Isaiah and I were so profoundly affected. But now, with the two realms bordering on contact thanks to the Tower, we were getting some small taste of home. This also explained why Isaiah had started walking without my help. It was nice to have something finally go our way, at least for the time being. After the conjunction, when Nykrist would be loosed upon our world, I had no idea what to expect. Would the two realities become entangled, creating a permanent bridge between them, or would things snap back to their previous positions? Although, if we failed to stop Nykrist from crossing over, we probably wouldn't be around to find out. So it was a fairly moot question, at least for the Stroud twins. Still, all the ruminating finally paid off. I'd hatched a plan. Nix what I said before about the tower. I was wrong, thank God. What do you mean? It's the opposite of what I said. The closer we get to the tower, the closer we are to home sweet home. Which means we have a chance to get back into the mines under Marrows. And you'll get that shot at the powder keg. Alright, I'm all ears. We both focus our abilities at the same place at the same time, which should pull us over into our native dimension, although it'll be best if we're closer or actually inside the tower. But our abilities don't sum, they just ignore one another. They don't need to combine, they just need to yank at the same piece of our home reality at the same time. Two hands are better than one and all that jazz. Ah, uh, I got you now. One question, though. If we can jump, why is Nykrist waiting? Why not just skip over like us? Because he's only partially anchored to our side. Specifically, the body, the infant they pulled out of the eel, that's his attachment to our dimension. But most of him is anchored to this side. That, and he's a whole lot bigger, in terms of his innate powers and whatever physical body he'll need to properly generate and wield them. All that stuff requires a lot more time and space to move through the coming Nexus Point. I see. Well, sorta. At any rate, 
I'm thinking you're right, because I'm definitely feeling a second wind coming on. You gotta hand it to science, occult or otherwise. Pays to know your stuff. That just leaves us getting into the tower. Hey, I came up with the plan about crossing over. I'm all done for the evening. Don't worry. I've already got something on the burner. Moving as close as we could to the tower, we realized that it wasn't flush with the surroundings. There was a gap, roughly 20 yards deep between the dark terrain and the tower. The gap itself seemed bottomless, terminating into a darksome abyss. Hmm, like I thought, this is merely an intermediate dimension formed from the two realities closing upon one another. The tower originates from the Bolgia itself, that's why there's a separation. It's slicing through the nascent umbral layer to get to our reality, creating a trans-dimensional bridge. Seriously? You just made all that up, right? Whatever its nascent, trans-umbrial whatever properties, we might have a way over. Those ruins over there, they got a good deal of height to them. We can scoot to the top of them, and you can Mary Poppins us over to the small outcropping on the tower there. The thing's got no opening, so straddling its side is about as good as we can get. That's close enough, right? No offense, but I thought your plan would be a little more nuanced than let's just jump onto the side of the thing. And for the record, I don't make things up. I have a PhD, you know. The ruins Isaiah pointed out were more of the pyramidal constructions from before, apparently making a comeback as they approached the point where the tower corkscrewed through the temporary dimension. A dimension that was little more than an overlap of similar themes projecting from the two converging realities. From the look of things, our reality had contributed the desert-like terrain and the pyramids of Egypt. There was no telling what they had specifically combined with from the Bolgia, what dark artifacts it had contributed to the effort. The crooked pyramid whose side we scaled was quite tall, allowing for an impressive view of the shifting black dust below, where the raising winds lashed them into temporary but monstrous shapes. Dim crowds of living shadows called out mindlessly, all praising the devil who had damned them. The ground beneath us shook as I took Isaiah by the hand, about to glide us over to the tower. What in the hell is that? I followed my brother's gaze as it lifted into the distance, where a gigantic shadow was taking on hideous solidity. It took up nearly the whole sky. A frothing semblance of claws, fangs, lashing tongues, and other biological extrusions that I couldn't think of any decent earthly analogs for. The thing rained down all manner of darkly glowing and hooked pseudopod, seizing and absorbing the shadowy supplicants crowded around the tower. As best as I could tell, the monstrosity was using the souls of the damned to augment the efforts of the impending conjunction. There were certainly fates worse than death, and... And this was just another I'd become painfully aware of. It's a manifestation from the Dark Bolgia. An aspect of whatever's down there. 
Maybe Sathanas itself. Then we need to scram, now. Another tremor rocked the world as a second mass of demonic flesh gushed from the pit, opening bottomless maws and blazing eyes as it rushed upwards. Before I could push off towards the tower, a whipping tentacle obliterated the pyramid beneath our feet. sending us tumbling into the path of the ravening mouths. Isaiah! Romy! The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone, and the Sleep-Wake Cycle theme song was written and performed by Sean Zeller. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of the Sleep-Wake Cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the sleep-wake cycle and the larger world of Maltopia, head over to maltopia.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.